We are at Daniel 9 today, which is the chapter I was kind of dreading because it's the, the 70 weeks chapter that so much, so much rigmarole <laughs> drama surrounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I also wanted to, I had the one, um, gonna work and we're working I went I forgot to find a, a modern in times thing for it that talks about it or one like a commentary or yeah yeah just the mm-hmm. I don't know if the in times site that we looked at before has it mm-hmm. um, yeah Okay, that'll work. So we'll go ahead and, and dive in here. Um, I, I kind of, am, in looking back on this, I'm kind of, I think if, if, if at some point I teach Daniel again, I think I might intersperse the chapters from the first half with the second half mm-hmm. so that, you know, when we're talking about this king, the, prof, the dreams and visions that he has during their reign, I think that that might actually make it a little more chronological and, and easy to follow because having it divided this way, we're now like, oh no, this is when so-and-so was in and this is when so-and-so was in and let's go back to that. Yeah, 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 there was quite a bit going on, quite a bit. And, you know, I suspect when God has people where he, well, I, I, I've always believed that people don't die before they've accomplished their purpose. Not that as soon as you accomplish your purpose, you die. Mm-hmm. But, but I believe that, that, that your life is able to be ended before you've accomplished the purpose for which you're here. Right. And, you know, that's one of the things that does comfort me when, when things happen to people because, you know, while it might be tragic or it might be sad or I'll, I'll be missing them, I, I take comfort in the fact that I really do believe they accomplished the purpose they were here for and the world is better for them having been here in that way. So, Or I think in the alternative, people who refuse to accomplish their purpose are sometimes taken before they can do much damage. But, you know. Like suicide? Or- well, or, or like, you know, um, like when you hear about like when pe- sometimes when people die and you just like hear about their life and you hear about all the horrible things they did and all the damage they did in the relationships around them, part of me goes, okay, so they were taken before they could do any more. And yeah, a, a suicide that just happened, suicide murder. The oh yeah. Oh my god. Tissue. Young kids. Yeah, that that was heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I hate I hate. That's why I don't really watch the news anymore. If I hear a story and I I, I want to know more, I'll go look, but. Um, so, and then just keep in mind, Laura, Laura was, has, is asking for prayers for, um, for health and, uh, um, and a new position that she's starting. So if you think about her this week, okay. give a prayer for that. Um, but we're going to, uh, as we go into 
the thing today. Um, okay. Um, anyway, so as we're going through, you know, it goes kind of back and forth. But Daniel's prayer for his people is, is what chapter 9 starts with. And one of the things that, that really stands out to me with Daniel is that Daniel does not appear to be having these visions or asking things of God or seeking wisdom or knowledge on these things for, for his own vain purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, Daniel doesn't want to be the most educated about end times. Daniel doesn't want to be the go-to person for what the different things mean, you know. And, and it's one thing, I, I, I get people who are interested and want to understand. I'm not saying that, that there's anything wrong with asking God to help you understand these things. I think that that's incredibly wonderful. If you do, you know, if you have a desire to understand them, by all means, lift that up to God. Right. But I think it's important to note that that was not Daniel's motivation here. Daniel's motivation, and I believe one of the reasons Daniel gets the the wisdom and the information that he does is that he's he's praying for how to help the people. He wants to, you know, the first, when we first meet him, everybody's going to get killed in his position. So he goes to God and says, hey, if you want me to go do this, let me know what it is and I'll stop everybody getting killed. And God does it. There's this, there's this humility. There's this, there's this willingness to, to be used by God, to, to be, you know, and, and then as he's in different positions, I suspect that, you know, and especially as we look at what happens with this interaction today, uh-huh. that there was a burden for the people that he's th- you know, he's thinking, I have this responsibility. I have this position. I have this opportunity. God has kept me alive through different things. God has put me here. I want to know. Um, and keeping in mind when we were talking about when Belshazzar dies, uh, uh, and Susie, Susie and Jeff really loved being here, and they're like, we're going to be back, but because they live so far away, they're like, we won't be there every week, but we're going to get there when we can. Um, but when he was saying that they held that party and they brought in those things because Belshazzar thought that the 70 weeks were up, and they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so he was thinking that, oh, you know, we outlasted God, we did it, you know, let's have a party. So, yeah. So in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, now, Rashi does say that this is not the Ahasuerus of uh, Esther, which comes later. This is, um, he says, this is not the Ahasuerus of the days of Haman, for he was the king of Persia, whereas this one was Darius the Mede, who was crowned over the kingdom of the Chaldeans when Belshazzar was slain. So if you remember that when Belshazzar died that night, they crowned Darius the Mede. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not that one. It's not, it's so that one would that basically era. be, that Ahasuerus, I think, is his grandson. Oh. So... Still the same family, just not that Ahasuerus. Okay. So he was made king, um, he was of the Medes. He was crowned when that happened, and Darius the Mede took the kingdom. Um, so 
So in the first year of his reign, uh, of, uh, by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the descendant of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Okay, so he's studying the book of Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. He's studying the writings of Jeremiah. And it it um and I like I actually like on the Chabad.org site the, the translation that they have from the Hebrew. It says, in the, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, contemplated the calculations, the number of the years that the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah the prophet since the destruction of Jerusalem, 70 years. So he's reading Jeremiah and, and you know, or his heart is quickened to Jeremiah, especially if you look at Belshazzar dying because of having done that. So Belshazzar is throwing this party thinking that the 70 years are over because mm-hmm. he knew about that prophecy. Mm-hmm. party, dead, now Darius. So in this first year, so this whole first year that Darius is king, this having just happened, Daniel is going, okay, if it wasn't up, what does it mean? Let me, let me refigure these calculations. They were off before. What were we missing? Okay, so there is, there's a it's happening aspect, not a some future event that's going to happen and I want to know everything about it. It was a... I am in it. Maybe if we were wrong, let's figure out what we weren't wrong. Oh, let's let's relook at this. Okay, so so that's what he's doing. He's contemplating these calculations. Says, then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Okay, this is not a. God, show me what's going on. You know, I really want to know about this. This is, if it wasn't over, which is good because it was said we'd be back by then. What's going on? When do we need, I mean, there, there's an urgency. Mm-hmm. If you're crying out to God with sackcloth and ashes and fasting, you know, and the question of if it, if it is over, what does that mean that we didn't get to go back? Mm-hmm. Did we do something to change this? Did we, were we not ready? You know, what's going on? God, have mercy here. Have mercy. Show me what to do. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandment and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. And I, there's almost this feeling, you know, sometimes there's the, you know what you're supposed to do. Right. And you know there's consequences when you don't do it. When it's, you know, it's 70 years. We'll have time. We'll pull it together by then. We'll get to it then. It's the same reason people make all the repairs on their home before they, like, when they're selling it. You know, they're like, oh, we'll get to that. Oh, yeah, that should get done. Oh, we should probably do that. 
oh, they're not going to buy it in this state. We better fix all these things yeah. rather than living in that state of repair. You've been there. The whole time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every time. So we have not listened to what you told us. To, you, you, you told these things to the kings, the, our princes, our fathers, all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame, as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Now, it's really important to remember that this is not the same kind of shame that we talk about when we talk about shame. Because, it, you know, it, we shame in an honor-based society is, is kind of a different thing. Because when we're dealing with stuff, there, there's a distinction between guilt and shame. And guilt is productive and positive, potentially. Shame is not. We don't want to live in shame because guilt is what you feel when you know you've done something wrong. You, you know that you violated God's word. You know that you didn't make the right choice in something. And that guilt is supposed to prompt us to choose differently. It's supposed to prompt us to make amends. It's, it's that conviction that says, ooh, you messed that up. Do better. Get help, you know, get right with God. Let's let's turn this around. Let's fix this. Whereas when we don't respond to guilt by doing that, we end up in shame, where we're immobilized, mm -hmm. and and we we equate within shame you equate the behavior with your personhood. It's not I did something wrong. It's I am wrong. It's not, I need to make better choices. It's, I'm a worm. But in an honor and shame-based society, the idea of shame is really more, the guilt is upon us. We know we did wrong. We need to fix it. So, I mean, it's, it's, that's what they're, they're expressing. You know, we are worthy of shame, but there's never that hopelessness that, that is, I guess we're sunk. You know, it's just, you know, it, it's more akin to that guilt, to that, that burden is on us. We are, we are burdened with it. Shame is like totally negative. Guilt is right. something you can turn around right. and recover from. And recover from. Because I was reading about potty training. Mm -hmm. You never shame a, a kid. Right. Potty training, because I guess, then that really takes them backwards. It, yeah, it can, it can have very long-term repercussions. Like they, they, it, it, it will affect how they view their personhood because it's one of those things that they can actually, they actually, well, once they can't, until they can control it, there's nothing they can do about it. Right. And then when they can control it, mm -hmm. if you engage in too much of a power struggle, then they, it's one of those th ways they will actually end up damaging themselves mm -hmm. by resisting you. And, and it creates all sorts of, you know, helpless dynamics. I mean, especially when they can't control it. Right. You know, to be, to be shamed for something that you can't control, it, it, it goes to your character. It ends up speaking to your soul. Mm -hmm. 
And so, so the, I mean, open sh- and the idea of open shame. I mean, he he is talking here about the generations of rejecting God's word. Mm-hmm. So there there is that kind of it's more than guilt, but at the same time, when he says shame, it's re- still not quite what we mean when we say shame. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's you've dishonored your God, you've dishonored yourself, you've dishonored your family, you, you have done what is wrong. Um, but even then he, you know, he's, we've sinned against you, but there's still this, what do we do? And that's, and that's why they're asking, he's asking for mercy to the Lord, our God belong mercy and forgiveness for we have rebelled against him. Okay. So, so that, and that's the key when he's talking about shame, he's saying, we have messed this up so badly, there's nothing we can do to fix it. Yeah. We need your mercy and forgiveness. Uh, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants the prophet. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. And it's true, all those times when God was saying, if you do this, this is going to happen. Daniel's going, we did it, and this happened. You're right. (laughs) You are true. What you spoke has come to be. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. So, you know, so even as we're, in, even as we're experiencing the consequence of this, mm-hmm. it didn't turn everybody around. Right. It didn't change. Yeah, very much. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some known, some unknown, you know. So therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. It very much is a Yom Kippur crying out. You know, it's got, O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. So he's, at this point, he's praying for God to show mercy on on his city, Jerusalem. It's, It's almost a, Please don't let what we did undermine you. Because I can see you said what would happen would happen. It happened. It's happening. It hasn't changed anybody. Lord, please don't let our failures undermine you. Um, 
Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy, and for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. So, so he's praying for Jerusalem, and he's praying for the temple. He, and he's not necessarily, you know, it, there's an acknowledgement. We have so screwed up. If you need to abandon us to go back and fix your city, do it. <laughs> Don't keep it desolate on our account. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. You know, we know if you fix this, and, and certainly if you include us in the fixing of this, it will not be because of anything we did. We are aware of that. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. O oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. And that's why it came out in the prayer. Yes. Yes. So now Gabriel is going to bring an answer. He's crying out to God, and, and the angel Gabriel is going to bring him an answer. Mm. It says, While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel. And, and I, I, want to, I want to point out also, I want to point out something, because a lot of times people who, who you know, when you see the 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 prophetic memes and the, the calling upon scripture to try and, and, you know, guilt people or convict people into making different choices today, a lot of times what you see is more of this, we're all suffering because of you. Yeah. You know, well, if my people, and, and especially when they take prophecies related to Israel and try and make them about America, I end up going, I twitch, but... But, you know, if my people will humbly pray, you know, and you're not praying, so we're not going to get any mercy. Daniel, on his own, one person. prayed. One person. Yeah. One righteous person. And God would do it for one righteous Yes. Amen. And, and this one person... He is confessing the sins, his own sins and his people's sins. Yeah. He is calling it out. He is saying, I see it, God. I see it. We did these things. You're right. So while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord, my God, for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me, and saying, O oh Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. What an you are greatly loved. You are greatly loved. <laughs> At the beginning of your pleas. And I have come to tell it to you, you are greatly loved. Consider the word, understand the vision. 
And then I have here Gable brings an answer, but that's because I forgot to change it. So this is going to be the answer. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Okay, so there's a... really talking 70 weeks? Um, they... Not in the sense that we think of it, okay? Um, one of the things that I found really interesting is the word for weeks mm -hmm. sometimes speaks to the Feast of Weeks, which is seven weeks each year. Mm. Okay. So, so, um, and I want to... Do what? I can't hear you. That'd be ten years if it was that. Seven weeks. Seventy weeks. And you said there's seven weeks. Unless it was seventy feast of weeks. Uh, so I said there's seven feasts of weeks every year every ten years. Yeah. The whole feast of weeks oh, is called the... weeks. Oh, okay. So seventy of them would be seventy years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um where are we on? 24. I'm trying to scroll ahead here. Um, yeah, and they what it what it says in the Rashi commentary is 70 weeks of years. So 70 years. Um, from the, it says from the day of the first destruction in the days of Zedekiah until it was destroyed the second time. So, so really what they see this as, as speaking to is um, taking them from the first temple destruction to the second. Uh, so to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin and to atone for iniquity to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. And, and now if it is speaking of from the, the first destruction until it will be destroyed the second time, that is when we believe that Yeshua came in the midst of that, which means that is when this would be accomplished. Okay. <clears throat> So know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. Yeah, so it's saying, so it's saying, you know, there'll be seven years. Mm -hmm. Till it's re till it's rebuilt, mm -hmm. and then sixty two years till it's destroyed again, and and that that extra mm -hmm. what is this for okay so this is and I'm just going to read this because rather than try and and sum it up, um, they're saying what this is this is Rashi's commentary here. He says, from the emergence of this word, which emerged at the beginning of your supplications to tell you, you shall know to understand how to restore and build Jerusalem. Time will be given from the day of the destruction until the coming of Cyrus, king of Persia, 
about whom the Holy One, blessed be he, said that he would return and build his city. And he called him his anointed and his king. As it says in Isaiah 45, 1, so said the Lord to his anointed one to Cyrus, etc. Verse 13, he shall build my city and free my exiles, etc. Okay, so, there, so he's saying here, um, there'll be a time until Cyrus sends you back to build it. Seven complete Shemitah cycles, they will be in exile before Cyrus comes. And there were yet three more years, but since they did not constitute a complete Shemitah cycle, they were not counted in the one year of Darius. Or they were not counted. Okay, so, so there's actually um, the 49, seven Shemitah cycles is the 49 year of Jubilee years. This is where it gets really complicated. Um, but, but, and then there were three extra years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, in the one year of Darius, in which Daniel was standing when, the, when this vision was said to him, 70 years from the conquest of Jehoiakim terminated. Then deduct 18 years from then, in which the conquest of Jehoiakim preceded the destruction of Jerusalem. That leaves 52 years. Mm-hmm. This is what our rabbis learned. For 52 years, no one passed through Judea. They are the 52 years from the day of the destruction until they return in the days of Cyrus. Hence, we have seven Shemitah cycles and three years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so there were seven weeks, mm-hmm. um, which, they, which they believe to be, you know, the 49 years. Um, so, and in 62 weeks, it will return and be built. Uh, the city with its streets. They are the, and then it talks about the moat. It should be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. And it says the moat is, uh, they are moats that they make around the wall to strengthen the city, which are called fossa in French, a ditch or a moat. But in those times they will be troubled and distressed, for in the subjugation of the kings of Persia and the heathens, they will burden them with harsh bondage. Now, although there are 62 weeks and four years more that remain from the eighth week, whose beginning, um, the three years, was included in the 52 years of the duration of the exile, those four years were not counted here because he counted only weeks. And you find that from the beginning he started to count 70 weeks, and at the end, when he delineated their times and their judgments, he counted only 69, proving that one week was divided, part of it here and part of it there, and he mentions only those weeks. So basically there's, there's, there's times that speak from Jehoiakim to, you know, to where they are now, and then from here going forward, um, and he's showing him, he's showing him, you know, how, this is how they've understood this. Um, this is, and after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war, and desolations are, de- are decreed. Um, they believe that the anointed one who has cut off is Agrippa, the king of Judea, who's ruling at the time of, uh, of the destruction and, and will be slain. Um, and the anointed one, they say, is purely an expression of a prince and a dignitary. 
Okay? It doesn't indicate inherently anything more than that. Someone of power who is anointed for their position. Now, does that mean there isn't a prophetic, you know, there, there's always, like we say, it's those now and later. It, it doesn't. But let's start at the practical level and see what it means and then build from there rather than trying to jump in at the sowed level and make it be all hyper-spiritual, you know. Because there were people who died. There were rulers who were in power. Things did have to happen in order for this to happen. Um, and so when it says the people of the coming, uh, it says after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with the flood and to the end there will be war desolations and decrees. And this says... Uh, they believe that the monarch who is to come will be Titus and his armies, and his end will be damnation and destruction, for he will inundate the power of his kingdom through the Messiah, and until the end of the wars of God, the city will exist. And that will be a destruction of desolation. So, And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And in the wing of abomination, and on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Um, so they say, for the princes like and all the officers of the king in the book of Jeremiah. So there's a correlation here with what Jeremiah was writing. Titus will strengthen a covenant with the princes of Israel. He will promise them the strengthening of a covenant and peace for seven years, but within the seven years, he will abrogate his covenant. Mm. This is what he says in the first vision, and in tranquility, he will destroy many. Through a covenant of tranquility, he will destroy them. This is a, a pejorative for pagan deities, where it says, and on high among abominations will be the dumb one. So this is a pejorative for pagan deities, because they cannot speak. So it's referencing the pagan deities. They're idols. They're idols who are silent and cannot hear you and cannot speak to you. Um, they are silent stone. So on high being an expression of height like the wing of a flying bird, and until destruction and extermination befall the dumb one, says, and the ruling of the abomination will endure until the day that the destruction and extermination decreed upon it will befall it in the days of the King Messiah. Um, and total destruction will descend upon the image of the pagan deity and upon its worshipers. So this, the Hebrew interpretation, the Jewish interpretation of this all speaks directly to what happened in Rome. And like I said, as we keep going, we'll, we'll find him talking about the time that's not the time, the time that's not the time, the time that is the time. Okay, so there was that 70, that 70 years that that happened and led up to destruction. Then there's the 70 years between these two times. And there's the time that's not the time, the time that's not the time, the time of the Maccabees, you know, and, the, and that whole whole thing with, with um, um, give me the, the ruler, ruler who destroyed the temple with the, under the, before the Maccabees. Give me the... Well, was that a Babylonian king or was that a Roman king? The... And that was a Greek king. Yeah, that Greece. Was... Oh. Antiochus. 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 Okay. So you've got Antiochus, you've got Titus as the figureheads for those destructions. Mm -hmm. 
but the abominations and the desolations being the same. Forced to worship pagan deities. Forced to worship pagan deities. Destruction of the temple, destruction of the temple. And, and, not, and not just, I mean, the temple being in the physical realm what was destroyed, but the real issue being the sacrifices and, and the, the things, you know, the traditions and the things that you're doing. It, you can't study Torah. You can't, you can't live out a Jewish life. Here, eat pork or we're going to kill you. Okay? That's, that's what the abomination is. The abomination is embrace this pagan worship. You cannot worship God anymore. Embrace these pagan deities. Bow to these pagan deities. And, and both of those times were the times that are not the times, which is why we have to learn from them. But we have to interpret them in light of those times that were not the times. Because... Uh, You know, there with all of the the left behind stuff. Um, you know, this one one of this this one site that I found it's, it basically says Daniel's seventy week prophecy is also just that. It's not seventy weeks plus some indefinite period of time thrown in between the sixty ninth week and the seventieth week. Um, so let me see what he says here where he gets to that part. I'm going to scroll ahead. He says, We find that in Daniel 9.24 that God gave Daniel's people 70 weeks to end their sin and rebellion against him. He ignored this warning that God... Uh, yeah. This was not a good one to find, but it's also really not helpful either. <laughs> you know, God gives us the prophets and people like that to come and help us and tell us, and then we don't listen, and then we fall into destruction. So right. Like, while my generation is saying, well, it didn't happen during my time, and then her generation is like, well, I haven't seen nothing like that so far, you know, and they, and they think that it's never going to happen. But we also and have this idea of when it happens, it'll look like this, and I don't see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we do have the wrong look. Just like with it happened in New Orleans, the Katrina. Mm -hmm. like New Orleans people know about hurricanes. Right. Yeah, yeah, I've never understood why they stay because it keeps happening. But and I mean, I it keeps happening. You know, it's, but to me, it's like you build on this. You build on the hills in California. Uh -huh. Get mudslide insurance. I mean, it's going to happen. It's yes. just a matter of Sooner when. Sooner or later, just a matter right. of time. Might not be in your generation. Might be in your child's or something. It's like us but living here and going. Happen. Oh, it's hot again. Yeah, I'm so shocked. It's hot. Why is it hot again? It, it's it's February in Arizona. Of course, it's hot. You know, <laughs> warmer in February any place else. <laughs> right. But no, you're absolutely you're absolutely right, Marie. I, mean, I think we just get uh, complacent. Yeah. Each generation teaches that to the next one, and we're like, okay, no, we're not going to go anywhere. I'll just it's, it's going to blow over. I mean, the weatherman's sitting there. That's like God's in there, telling you how bad it's going to be. This is what's going to happen if you don't do it. Right. The weatherman was saying, this is what's going to happen. We're not believing it. Oh, I'm just going to board up my house and stay right here. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll see some signs before it happens. We'll pull it together then. We'll, we'll pack then. Well, the rack. Oh, and you know, it's, I know. It's, it's, but it's like with children. One of the things I learned very on is it's really important not to tell children 
don't do that, you're going to get hurt. Because the second they do it and don't get hurt, your warning is lost on them. And so instead I learned to say... And even it is lost even when they do it and they get hurt. No use in saying, I told you you were going to get hurt. Right. Well, then you piggyback on it and you take away from the lesson. But, but, but really because they don't get hurt every time they do it. That's right. But if you say, don't do that, or, you know, you need to get down from there, it's dangerous, you could fall and get hurt, then you're giving them factual information. Okay. And they may not listen very well, but at a certain point when they get hurt, when we can hold our tongues from the piggybacking, then they go, oh, this is what she was talking about. This is why I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. And which is why the prophets very, don't come in and go, you have to do this, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're giving information. Right. You remember where God said this? God said this. Mm-hmm. You're doing the things he said not to do. Mm-hmm. Because of that, this is going to happen. And, and, you know, when God, when, it, when things didn't happen right away, the prophet makes note, because this king repented, God's going to put it off, but your children will experience this. Once this king is dead, all bets are off, you know. But it is, it says, you know, somebody will come along and repent again. I don't know. I, I don't think it will really affect us. It, I mean, yeah, we're in Babylon, but they treat us okay. We're fine. And we have this, we're making do mentality. We're fine. I mean, you know, I know it's not perfect. And we're okay. But we're okay. Like, personally, I, I mean, I'm okay. I got food and clothing and, and a nice house and a job. And eh, it'll work out. Right. You know? <laughs> so we think. Yeah. <laughs> but that's one of the dangers, I think, of trying to know the dates of when it it's going to, when the time that is the time will be. Why not live as though it's right now? Why not be the remnant that gets right with God and doesn't have to worry about when it is? Right. Mm-hmm. Why are we always asking how far away from God can I get and still be okay? Instead of asking how close to God can I get? Because in all those prophecies, the remnant is told, I know you're there. You're fine. I got my hand on you. You'll be fine. I'm taking care of you. Don't worry about it. I want to be in the don't worry about it group. Which is part of why when there's all these, oh, it's going to happen in this day. It's going to happen at this time. It's going to happen on this day. It's going to happen in this year. I go, okay. If it it does, it does. Right. Knowing it or not knowing isn't going to stop it. I'm not, but I'm. I don't want to. Ha- I'm not waiting until then to be part of the remnant. I want to be part of the or remnant. Even fear. Yeah. Because God said He didn't give us that spirit. Right. Because if you're part of the remnant, you don't have a spirit of fear. You have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Mm-hmm. To which I go, okay. I'm sure I'll know what to do when the time comes. I, you know, and and. If you're listening to God and you're where you're supposed to be, it doesn't matter what's coming, you'll be where you're supposed to be to handle it. And if it's your time, it's your time. Yeah, that's right. You have to remember that. We all have a the danger about all of the left behind theology stuff is that there's this arrogant idea that 
the Christians get to go away and not experience it. Yeah. That's the part that, that I take a bit of umbrage to and say, because basically they're saying, oh, it doesn't, and, and this is how it very often plays so out I, in people. It doesn't matter what we do. God loves us so much, we'll get out of it. That's why in the movie, the pastor is backsman. And so they, I guess it was like, Yep. Left behind because he had, That's right. had one point backslide. So. That's right. He <laughs> didn't do right. Because I wasn't understanding that part when I saw the movie. I was like, oh, so wait a minute. God forgives backslidden pastors. Or, or well, maybe he didn't, didn't repent. To... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are we almost to the end? Yep, that's the end. That is actually the end. Oh, is it? The yep. So, have a great week. That's my. <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you. May he grant you peace. May he draw you closer to his heart and show you how to be the remnant. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. I like that we're going slow and down because it's like, for my time, it's a-